This is the Power of Genetics podcast, the podcast designed to help visionary practitioners build a more successful practice, transform more lives, and lead their patients into the future of personalized health. In each episode, I'll interview successful practitioners and leading thought leaders who will share their insights and expertise to help you prepare your practice for what lies ahead. I'm your host, Dr. Yael Jaffe, and now let's get into today's episode. So a big welcome to Dr. Jim Lavelle, who I will be referring to as Jim from here on forth. And it's quite extraordinary. I was going through Jim's um, resume, his CV, before we started today, and I thought, I have absolutely no way of introducing Jim. I will spend the entire 30 minutes telling you about all the formidable accomplishments that he has done. So instead, I'm going to ask Jim to, to tell us a little bit about his journey, how he landed up where he is today, but really what it is that you do and what it is that you're so incredibly passionate about that has seen you accomplish so much in so little time. Well, 38 years is not little time. <laughs> so you're so like young. Think, you're so young. Uh, yeah, I know. I'm so young. I know. 61 years young in May. So uh, I think, you know, my journey just started out of uh, sheer passion, first of all, to help myself feel better when I was still a college student. But then quickly, I realized that, you know, just giving out to a clinical pharmacist and, of course, got boarded in clinical nutrition and went and got a, an academic doctorate in naturopathic medicine. And I mean, I've studied a bunch of stuff, homeopathy, you name it, and, and got my, you know, my fellow of the British Institute of Homeopathy. So, I mean, I've done a lot of academics. Probably the thing that makes me the most passionate still today is how I changed the life of one person. I still love relishing in the results that we get when I'm sitting face to face with someone. And of course, yes, as the you know co-chair at A4M, the American Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine and teaching there and you know being the educator of the year for them and you know was national clinician of the year from the National Products Association for Integrative Medicine, a lot of awards along the way. You know, wrote 22 books and four databases, all that good stuff. But the reality is what drives all that is just I get excited every morning about waking up and figuring out either, hey, what's a new ingredient? What's a new product? What's a new pathway that I can influence that will change somebody's life, make them feel better? And then in the net result of that, that has a ripple effect. And that ripple effect is when one person feels better, 10 more can feel better. And, and I think it's incredibly important. It's why I've been so passionate about teaching practitioners of all different types. I mean, I was just with a bunch of fitness professionals yesterday, 70,000 fitness practitioner group doing, you know, filming for them. And it's about the fact that all of us need to be focused on how to help people feel better and to be of service to them. There's no shortage of people and there's no shortage of people that are not feeling good about the way they feel today and are worried about how they're gonna feel tomorrow. And that's the stuff that gets me excited. You know, I had a clinic in Ohio that we were seeing an average of three to 400 people a week doing personalized care on every one of them. And so I've got a little bit of experience over these last 38 years sitting in front of people. And um, we even developed a program that reached out to a quarter of a million lives through Lifetime Fitness. So I think the misnomer is that personalized care is not scalable. 
And that, if you ask me, what is my mission today? My mission today is personalized care that is scalable. And that's why I developed the Metabolic Code platform and why I'm so passionate about how people can quickly get to solving their individual unique problems. Yeah, so I think it comes up as a theme with many of the guests that I've had on this on this show is this idea of, you know, trying to fulfill your vision, trying to fulfill your purpose. And for some, it sits in that end of one. It's that patient that you see who comes in broken, really poor quality of life that you bring back to health and to wellness. And for others, it's the ability to, to have a big outreach, to have impact, writing the books, being on the stage, being in the media. What's extraordinary about your story, of course, is that you still hold the space of both. And not only do you hold the space of both of being able to find the time to do N of One and help individual patients, but you've managed to have that impact a lot through your teaching and education. Obviously, you're writing through metabolic code. So it's quite extraordinary. So I'm going to take a step back because when we attend some of these extraordinary conferences that you and I go to, whether it's IFM or A4M, uh, PLMI, we meet these incredible practitioners who are passionate and enthusiastic and hardworking, and they have vision and they really dream about achieving the kind of things that you have. So what is it? What is that step? Let's help them go back and say, like, what are the steps that we start to take that we can land up with someone like you are, Jim, to be able to have the impact that you are? Because we all got to start somewhere. What is that place we begin? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think the number one thing that has created success for me in my practice, I've never advertised for my practice. I mean, I, I don't market. I don't advertise. I get people well. And I think the number one thing, if you're starting out and you're passionate and you're wanting to help people, is don't get enamored by too many exotic things to do at the get-go with someone. Think about the one or two things that you can change in their life by a decision that you're making, a product that you're giving, the way you're going to tell them to diet. It's going to make them feel better. The quicker you get someone to start to feel better, the quicker they get results, the more enthusiastic they are to tell their 10 friends, and the more successful you're going to be in practice. And I think for a lot of times, and I, you know, I've talked to a lot of the fellows over the years, they try to create too big of a roadmap to start, and it can overwhelm that consumer. And it can overwhelm you as a practitioner trying to track, oh my gosh, am I working on your yeast? Am I working on your MTHFR gene step? What about your detoxification? Do I need to be on a FODMAP diet? Is it a modified FODMAP diet with ketogenic diet? What is it that I need to do? Oh my God, I've heard so much. Where do I start? Start with incremental changes that are going to make a difference right away. Because when you change someone right away, they are committed to you. And so for me, that's what I've always tried to emphasize with folks. It's like, look, if you can get somebody to poop better, be less anxious, sleep better, and get out of pain. They're in. You're in. And they're not leaving you. They're and, not leaving you. And that, to me, starts to build a knowledge base. I mean, I, I think the one thing, one of the reasons I, I like to still see people is when I get on stage and I'm talking about cases that I've seen, 
you know, whether it's, you know, complicated rheumatoid arthritis cases or autoimmune cases or cancer cases or whatever it is, colitis, you name it, right? It comes from a space of saying, you know, I did this and it worked. And I think when practitioners gain that insight and confidence that, hey, I did this and it worked, then it starts to become easier to get on stage and, and you know, have confidence in what you're saying. And then if you want to evolve into, you know, writing, I would never write a book to get rich. Uh, Don't. It's, it's a bad idea. <laughs> it's not going to, it doesn't work. Uh, well, at least for me, it didn't. <laughs> it does <laughs> work for me. And, uh, yeah. it, but, but I certainly have always looked at writing as a catharsis, you know, as a way for me to process and make sense of the world. And I got two books this year, you know, one in athletic performance and biomarkers and, you know, metabolic code 2.0. I mean, so I'm continuing to have to have this cathartic thought process or notion. And I think practitioners should do that is where am I evolving my practice? What's working? What isn't working? What do I need to drop? What do I need to enhance? So that I'm really feeling like I'm getting somewhere with my patient. I love the idea. I mean, I, that's quite a reframing for me. I love the idea of you write a book to almost consolidate and solidify your knowledge around something rather than for the fame and the money, which generally doesn't happen. So I love that idea because actually what it does is it forces you into that deep dive immersion, doesn't it? To try to master something that you're grappling with. Yeah, when I, I mean, you know, a lot of my books or, you know, my metabolic code book was 660 pages. I didn't write that because it was going to be a consumer read, right? I mean, <laughs> nobody, you know, no. oh my God, when does the novel end, right? But it had a measure of success, you know, and what I wrote on my first edition of metabolic code 2.0 in 2020, I'm already revisiting it in order to yeah. continue that refining of the knowledge base that's occurred. And I think those things, not everybody has the patience to write. And uh, I, I understand that, but I do think there is an element to putting things down. Like what, how do you see the world of healing even if it's in a graphic chart so that you're, you're, you're working from a model, right? Because a lot of times I think the models get thrown out. It's like, hey, we'll try this. Hey, I just went to this seminar. We're going to go do this over here. And that is, you know, if there's one criticism in our space, lack of outcome data. Yeah. You know, yeah. but I would criticize medicine in general with a lack of outcome data. When you, know, you give four medicines at one time, nobody has any data on that. You know, we have them individually, but we don't have, you know, a polypharmacy data set, nor do we take into account nutrients or lifestyle or diet or exercise or any of the things that actually make up a whole person, spiritual awareness, right? I think it's important for people to create a model that's working for you and stick to it. And that way you can refine it. Here's another question for you. So it's an interesting space we're in at the moment where we're seeing quite a significant growth in functional medicine, integrative, anti-aging, natural medicine. I mean, there's a lot of players. Right? Have I been left anything out? Lifestyle medicine, what have I left out? And there's no doubt that they're growing and that they're gaining some traction. But what do you think are the greatest challenges that practitioners are facing in that space to be able to, because we still, we still niche, aren't we? We still haven't broken through. We still pretty much speak to ourselves and pat ourselves on the back and tell each other how clever we are, but we haven't really got, got past the thing. So what do you, what do you think that is? And 
you know, we can't have like a million of gyms, right? So what do you think that challenges that we're facing that we need to overcome as practitioners to be able to, to break on through? Well, I think there's a couple. One is you have to become more efficient. You can't take three and a half hours to evaluate someone. And everybody can't afford like concierge pricing. And I might even argue that that might not be the way to go, that there could be value in numbers. Uh, so I think that data collection for the industry to grow and show the value and cost efficacy versus traditional care and, and even traditional lifestyle medicine, which is like mind, body, and you know, making a better dietary choice. So I think there's these constrainments of cost. You know, I know for me, I give less now and rely on lifestyle changes more with people. So, you know, people get pill fatigue. I think we create sometimes too stringent of a menu of, of what we expect people to do. And therefore we gain attrition, like people drop out because, you know, we give them such a restrictive diet and they're not sick enough yet that they're willing to comply with everything you say, right? And so I think there's some of that, you know, gee, how clever we are and how smart we are, but we're so smart and clever that the person we're sitting in front of doesn't understand it. Yeah. And so it, it to me, I've always worked hard at breaking things down and explaining things. And I think as a industry, we still get a lot of practitioners that get trained in this and don't end up applying it. And I think it's because we don't get over the time constraint. I don't think doctors should be sitting there telling people how to eat. It's the use of health coaches and, and ancillary staff to actually be successful in the practice so that a doctor is doing what a doctor should be doing. And I'm very respectful of that, you know, the clinician and then what their staff can do to make better throughput and success. We managed to be able to do that at a very high level in my Ohio clinic, you know, at the Laval Metabolic Institute. And even now, I mean, um, you know, my slow day is 14, 15 people, you know, so, you know, a lot of people they're you know, they, they go, wow, how do you do that? Become efficient. And I think that's where we struggle right now is that maybe we overwhelm the person with so many lab tests and so much to explain that we just don't get them to that starting line. And that's what I think the big challenge is. And there's others, right? It's, it's you know, the type of testing, how expensive. There's so many different little, you know, avenues that we could go down, but those are the big areas for me. I had a fantastic conversation with Dr. Terry Walls and um, I was expecting a completely different experience. I was expecting her to say, you know, 10 cups of raw vegetables every day. And if you don't eat paleo, nothing. Anyway, it had a complete, it was complete opposite. And she was saying almost exactly what you're saying, which is you've got to meet the patient where they are. She said, if you do not give them something that they can change in their life, it does not matter. Like then you've lost them anyway. So meet them where they are, when they're ready to change, give them something they can do because then you will create success, which actually goes to what you said earlier, right? That's if right. If you can just get a short win, get some success, you can take them on a journey. So I was quite blown because the most of the work she does is not the two walls protocol up front. It's how do I get them to change something that is relevant to them, which might be lifestyle, might not be diet at all, might not be supplements, might not be any test at all, to be able to 
get that buy-in to start the journey. So very, and the other thing she said, which I thought was really relevant to what you were saying is, one of these problems we have with kind of allopathic traditional Western medicine versus what we're doing is that we've almost set ourselves up as antagonists, you know, as adversaries. And she said, you know, as long as we do that, we will never succeed. That we need to figure out how to work together. We need to figure out how to work with health coaches. We need to figure out what we can do versus what they can do. What can we bring to the table? Because if we bring the outcomes, if we change their behavior, change wellness, we will get the respect that we're looking for in the industry. So I thought that resonated really well with what you're saying. Yeah, well, I mean, that's exactly it. I mean, I think outcomes are everything. In the end. Outcomes everything. Yeah. Right. Now, of course, I'm going to ask you my big question. I'm very kind. I only bring genetics right at the end. This is a power of genetics <laughs> podcast. Now, Jim, you have to behave really well now because I know that you're all about metabolic code and there's a lot of testing that forms you come with, but I'm going to ask you to just give us a sense of your opinion. I want, where do you think genetics fits in when, of course, when genetics is done in the best possible way, that caveat, where do you think genetics plays a role in this medicine, wellness, health that we're talking about? Well, I think there's, I mean, look, there's several layers to that. I mean, I think there's the obvious predisposition. So if, you know, you have the uh, HLA family gene snips and, and you're eating gluten, well, you're just trying to get type 1 diabetes, right? So I think that there's a lot of genetic insight that gives us predisposition and a potential path of where you could go. And I think, you know, whether you do nutrition support to that or just aware of that, having that awareness is key. And I think it's a key driver. I know when I did your genetic test and I was, you know, like you said, oh my God, Jim. <laughs> Jim, I remember. Yeah, it's like. This is a, this is a hell of a test. Yeah. yeah, it's like, you know, you really couldn't have too many more bad genes. Yeah. Um, that was very motivating to me because I know what I do for my health and I know I'm probably considered a Spartan. And, uh, you know, it's it, 61 and it, you know, 13% body fat and being able to really train and do the stuff I do. Um, I'm super happy and healthy and good blood pressure, all that good stuff, low heart rate. But it was very motivating because when I did my epigenetic test, it was like, yes, the lifestyle choices you made and the lifestyle choices you made because of your genetics, meaning I knew I had bad genetics on the, on the blood sugar and diabetes side because my whole family is diabetic and I made choices early in my life that I would not end up that way, that it is proving out. And I think that the the way that the genetics for me is best, I guess, explored when I talk to people is I want it to bring in, in, certainly at the minimum, an awareness about where you need to go with your genetics. Meaning that you're an APOE3444, you better learn how to count sat fat. You know, you've got the obesity genes, you better figure out how you're going to really watch your weight and work with it because as a lot of those folks already know, like I had those genes, I can gain 30 pounds really quick, you know? And I think that the awareness, and then of course, if you work someone up and you see that these genes are already playing out, it becomes that much more involved in kind of treatment process thought on what 
an individual may need at baseline to help redirect that epigenetic expression. So that's kind of how I see the value of, of genetics and why I think it plays such a key role. If you think of an individual kind of traversing through their life with their health and really trying to develop a thought process about I'm living a lifestyle that's allowing me to express my best possible health potential, I need to be aware of those genetics. I need to be aware of my metabolic markers. And I need to be looking at the new revolution of omics and transcriptomics and what's taking place so that I have this kind of lineage of where I came from and where I am going. Where I'm going. Yeah, I love that. And it's a really exciting time for us because we have this, the kind of data that we're seeing now where we have the genetics, which is really that like screening insight, really, of predisposition. How do I respond to the world? Where should I focus my effort? Which means a big one, right? In genetics, where should I focus? Then we have the kind of metabolic markers, which is where, where metabolic code really comes in, which is what can I measure that's going to give me deeper insight that the areas that are coming up in my genes are really manifesting? And then, we, of course, we have the new um, epigenetics, you know, where we're starting to be able to measure methylation markers. I'm actually waiting for my results to come back, which is going to be really interesting for me. But where up until now, I think, you know, we're, we're kind of where genetics was 20 years ago, where we can measure it, but we're not entirely sure what to do with it. But, it, but super exciting because in the next 10 kind of years, we'll figure it out. That's so right. I see like the work we're doing is really bringing all the pieces together of truly I'm trying to understand what are these kind of drivers of health and and so exciting time to be to be working in the space and I think I just answered your next question huh. I was going <laughs> to I was going to um finish off today with just one last question so now you're going to have to come up with something else because I think uh -oh. I gave you an answer which is you know where do you see the future what do you think the future of, of health wellness medicine what do you think it looks like? I actually think it's bright. I think that we're going to have to come up with more in-home strategies. I think that we're going to have to empower people better to take better care of themselves on the day in and day out when we're not there to enforce it or hold their hand. And at the same time, I think that the consumer is what's driving this whole market anyway. So I think that, you know, for me, at least I'm banking on it. I've devoted 38 years to this. And I guess I would say today I'm 38 years lucky that I'm in this space of personalized wellness, what I call performance health. I like thinking about performance health because whether you're an executive or, you know, a teacher, whoever you are, you want to perform at your best. And I think that it's time is there. And, but I do think we need to focus more on our client or consumer or patient having more of an active role, more of an active role in how they get educated to understand why the decisions they're making are important, and then to revalidate that for them so that it's not like a temporary fix or program. It's how am I moving you to a lifestyle that's going to allow you to be fulfilled. And that's a different message than what consumers are usually used to with instant gratification diets, instant gratification supplements, instant gratification weight loss programs, training programs. It's more about what's working for you now may not work for you in 10 years. How yeah. I train now is different than I did at age 50 
now that I'm 60, mm. one. And so it's, it, I think it's important that we, we understand that there's this synergy between the practitioner and the, the consumer. And that synergy is this therapeutic environment that we need to create together. And if we do that, the future is bright. That's right. It's all about the partnership. And I think that's moving us away from kind of the paternalistic medicine, which is, you know, I'm the doctor in the white coat. I have the answers and you must listen to me and do what I tell. And I think 100% until we have a partnership with our customers, our clients, patients, until they take responsibility for their health as much as we do, I don't think we're going to move forward. But I do see that changing. I agree with you. I really do think that's changing. And so I agree. Yeah. The future is bright. And I look forward to us talking again when you're 71 and still looking so fit and so young and still writing books and still changing healthcare. So, um, Jim, thank you so much for your time. It was really, really fascinating, interesting, as always, and uh, really look forward to watching what comes in the next couple of years. Oh, well, thank you. It was a blast. I always enjoy talking with you. It was fantastic. Thank you for listening to the Power of Genetics podcast brought to you by 3x4 Genetics. For more episodes, please visit 3x4genetics.com slash podcast. And if you are a licensed health practitioner who would like to apply to join our network of over 1,000 like-minded visionary practitioners, please visit 3x4genetics.com slash apply.